happy. You got to be happy. Come on and be happy. Sing a little song. Welcome to the Love Live Music Industry Secrets of Success podcast. If you're interested in being successful in your music industry career, you have come to the right place. In this podcast, we will be chatting with the super successful people who make the music industry tick. We'll be picking their brains, extracting their secrets for success, and listening to their reflections on their careers. My name is Sally Jackson Freeman and I've been working in the music industry since the 1980s. I started out as a runner in my dad's recording studio, working with iconic bands and producers. Today, having worked with multiple global artists and completing a 10-year stint at Glastonbury, I'm still in the business, speaking, lecturing on a master's course, and mentoring the next generation of music industry professionals. Over the past 30 years in the music business, I've pretty much seen and heard it all, the good, the bad and the ugly. And the one thing I know beyond doubt is that behind every superstar is a huge team of highly successful and talented individuals who help the artists realise and monetize their talent. This podcast is dedicated to finding out what makes these people so successful and sharing their insider knowledge and tips with you. For my first season, I will be chatting with 10 people I've worked with, who I know are at the top of their game. My first guest is a friend who I've known for the past 20 years, the super talented Andy Wright. Andy is a global music producer and award winner. He has won two Grammys and has received gold, platinum and multi-platinum discs for his record sales. He has worked with some iconic artists including Dave Stewart, Annie Lennox, Jeff Beck, Tom Jones, the KLF, Massive Attack for you dance music lovers out there, Atomic Kitten and Pavarotti to name drop but a few. He has produced rock giant Simple Minds and has been working with Simply Red since 1995 where he created the unique sounds and beats featured on Fairground, their first number one single. Andy, welcome. Hi. <laughs> what an intro. I looked at your I website. Know. I'm I mean, a, I'm embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't <laughs> yeah, be embarrassed. Yeah, I was uh, blushing away there. No, um, don't be. So nobody will see that, I guess. So. <laughs> well, it's such a joy to have you here. And, um, Thanks for inviting me. That's okay. And I'm really excited because we're actually sitting in your new studio. Studio. Uh, we're sitting in the Cube podcast studio. And you've just moved here, haven't you? Absolutely, yes. Uh, um, I got really lucky, actually, because um, I really wanted to move to a studio with with a, a community and um just by some fortuity uh i ended up being connected up with nick um who's one of the two owners of this building and the, the, the basically the studio was just plans there was a, a warehouse and plans. Yeah. so um so i sort of got interested and said oh look you know can i come and have a look so i came and there was literally no walls just a huge huge warehouse space and he said you know we're going to, in here, we're going to have, you know, 24 to 30 studios. We're going to have a, a green screen room. We're going to have a conference room. We're going to have a cafe and a bar with hot desks, podcast rooms. We're in one of the two podcast rooms. And um, so I bought into that idea straight away. And this was actually February 2019. So I put my deposit on straight away. I wow. said, OK, I'll take two of those rooms. And uh, uh, a year later, I moved in. 
Uh, they said to me it would be September, <laughs> yeah. and then it got delayed to November, then to December, then to February. And um, actually, the only thing that made that okay, in my view, was that I kept coming and seeing it growing and seeing it, the, the, the level of detail they went to to make all the rooms really great. And um, so, you know, so it was absolutely not a problem to me. The only problem really was that we moved in on February 17th and yeah. went into lockdown on March the 17th. What a disaster. So, so it was a disaster for them. However, yeah. just, you know, luckily I managed to keep coming in because, you know, it was isolating enough for me just to come in and work by myself. And now the the you know the whole place is populating with great cool people all making music and doing things it's really great yeah i mean i've just had the guided tour this studio is incredible if you're thinking of somewhere to work come here well i think it's they've done this really incredible. amazing thing that uh, that i mean i think that, that obviously they're young guys they're in their 30s and for them to have raised the money first of all to do yeah. something like this is is a credit to them but you know they're young and they've got fashionable ideas new ideas so yeah. you know th there's half of the studio rooms perhaps more than half but a little bit more are given to what are called residents of which i'm one or in this instance with gavin we've got two rooms but um uh, but after that, I think there's another 10 rooms to 12 rooms that are called membership rooms, and they're done really, really well, beautifully done inside, and they offer you a pair of monitors, a desk, um, a, a, mon a computer monitor, a microphone, a keyboard to put ideas in, and so if, uh, and then you pay a membership of something like £200 a month or something, and, they, yeah. and, and for that you can A, come and use the social areas, and B, book the studio out, I think you end up getting something like 40 hours a month for your 200 quid, and you can just go in there and make your music, turn up with your laptop, open it, and um, and then go away at the end of the day, and they clean it for you, and it's not you don't put any of your stuff in it. So yeah. I think that works for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's incredible value. I mean, we're sitting in this awesome podcast room. It's fantastically designed with plants and great furniture and top-of-the-range podcasting kit. I'm super impressed. There's a beautiful area and bar and chill out zone. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm so happy with it, really. I'm and, pleased. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, uh, <coughs> I, I know um, I've got this very young sounding voice, but you know, <laughs> being 58, you know, I kind of um, <coughs> I'm imagining that, uh, that this will be my last move. Yeah, and that uh, you know, be, and I make music in here for another ten years, hopefully, and then and then I might fabulous sort of play golf for the rest. By of that my island life. in the Caribbean, exactly, you yeah, know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So, what are you working on at the moment? Um, a range of projects, mm. to be honest. I mean, you know, one of the things that's worked out really well for me. I mean, you know, obviously along the way you you lose a lot of people, and some records you do a one-offs. But I've actually managed to, you know, um, have a, you know quite a good amount of repeat business <laughs> yeah so so yes yeah, so uh, so at the moment i'm i'm halfway through a simple minds album which we're going to resume in september um i'm just you know about two-thirds of the way through a betty boo record which we've collaborated on together from the beginning and um writing a few songs well i'm i'm you know collaborating with mick hucknell on some songs that we're that he's wants to offer to you know various different people so um so that's pretty much it well there's lots of other things as yeah. well and that's just to name a few things yeah now i had a quick listen to the betty boo single that's just sounding great yes there's well, a guest vocalist yes who I we love. can't say i can't say thank god <laughs> no, i didn't no, say we can't we can't drop the press release <laughs> <laughs> no it's all sounding wonderful so you know yeah but uh, but yes i mean that's stream been, that a, a, when that's it that's been a real hits. joy you know and, and i mean it, you know it's so um 
I think in a way what I'm about to say will in a way feature in one or two of the things mm. that you might be interested in. But, um, you, you know, I've always shied away a bit from PR and doing things. Mm. And I never really liked the idea and I'm kind of a bit social media shy too because, you know, I have always think well, I'm busy enough as it is. I don't really want anything more to do. Um, but actually I did take uh, on account of one project i took on a pr guy um to about that particular project because i thought it, it would be notable and um and actually uh, it, we got a press thing in in the magazine called classic pop and uh, so there was a, a feature on me in that thing and a feature on her just brilliant by by, yeah. by fortuity and yeah. i kind of met her some many many years ago and i'd also met her husband paul Toogood, you know um who's a filmmaker and got a film company in la and and he she i know he obviously across the breakfast table they've been talking about her resuming a pop career and uh, and looking at the magazine with there and he saw me in there and went i think the person we're looking for might actually be in this magazine. Yeah. I'll try and contact him. And I think he had my number somewhere, called me. And anyway, yeah. the rest is history and that. We wrote 12 songs together. We're finishing the production of it. I think it will be good. I think and I think it's a, a really amazing to tell you the truth. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah. Well, I wish you luck. And I have every confidence it's going to be a great success. So I hope so. Yeah. When do you think the album will be out? I think not till next year. Yeah. Um, but I think they'll ramp it up a little bit before... Sure. And, uh, you know, I'm fingers crossed on it. I mean, I'm very devoted to it, partly because I'm a writing collaborator on the whole thing. And in fact, mm. I have been on the last three albums I've made on all the tracks. So it's been quite nice for me uh, to just be doing. Yeah. Know, well, we look stuff. forward to that. So, Andy, this podcast is about looking at those that are successful in the music industry. And you are one of these people and I was thinking is there one character trait that you could pick out that has underpinned your success um absolutely I think um blind belief <laughs> and, and and persistence you know yeah. I, I I actually can only retrospectively say that, that that that's what I must have because there was never a point which I ever really when I once I committed myself to that course of action there was never really a point where I thought actually I, I'm not sure I want to do this it was like well I'm doing it anyway and um, you know come hell or high water I'll be making music that's my life and I'm going to do it so um you know I think you know I, as I said already, I mean, um, I'm 58 and I know that I really didn't make very much money until I was 30 and I'd been doing it since I was 21. So for those nine years, I, I had to show quite a lot of commitment to the process, you know. Yeah. Um, and every year, I remember thinking every year, especially when around 25, 26 years old, that next year's the year, next year's the year. And I kept thinking and I also felt that every year that I could evaluate the year and go well I think I'm further along than I was last year so um so yeah persistence really and, and a lot of people get really charmed by the concept of uh, life in music and, and understandably so because it's a wonderful thing but um you know I suppose to have the blind self-belief to continue against all odds really and in, in a very tough financial climate um, yeah w would be you know hard to maintain but the, what the way that you're going to get there you've got to be in in it to win it yeah I, suppose. I love that I I think I think that's so true and that's a fantastic thing to say um blind belief yeah I love that um so Andy looking back from this position of strength what advice would you give to your 18 year old self 
Uh, yeah, well, I think in a way, uh, you know, my 18-year-old self um, um, and my 19, 20, 21 and all those years I, I actually already had that thing in place that we just spoke about. You know, um, uh, I think it's really hard to have the maturity when you're younger to sort of understand when you're perhaps making mistakes, you know. Mm. But then on the other hand, when you make the mistakes, if you're clever enough to learn from them, you, you perhaps don't make them again and you and you grow from them. You know, I can't tell you how, you know, when I look back, how many things that I may have said or done that I think I'd be extremely embarrassed about now. But, you know, in retrospect, I think I needed to do, to, to just grow and to develop in that way and make mistakes. But the most yeah. important thing is learn from your mistakes. <laughs> learn from your but, mistakes, yeah. yeah. But, but you, you know, I think if you're, if, you know, you need a lot of self-belief to do this job, that's for sure. But you also need to not have arrogance. And I think arrogance mm. is, a, is, is, al is always ugly to other people. So no matter how talented you are, you have to know that, you know, if you were uh, an athlete, you'd be looking at shaving a, a hundredth, hundredth of a second off of your time to be better. And that's what you need to have that mindset right from the off. Yeah, that's incredible laser sharp focus, really. But I, I absolutely hear you and I totally agree. Do you think there's anything that you would do again or you'd avoid? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I, you know, I think I'm... Again, I you know I have to sort of throw the caveat in that I think I learnt from mistakes, and you know there's been occasions where I sort of can look back and think you know I was a little bit too ambitious at that moment, mm. and and I also perhaps wasn't aware that maybe by pushing myself forward for certain things I might be you know upsetting other people or might be you know encroaching on their territory, and you know it's it's important to be aware of all those things. Mm. But then again, you know, it's hard to know because, you see, I think a lot of the time people will always keep you under if you yeah. if you don't go above. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, so that way, you know, especially if you're working with, you know, very successful people that, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a thing that I kind of see it to be a bit of a fame club. I mm. think that happens in celebrity culture. It happens everywhere. And once you're in it, you also, you, you, you sort of, want to keep as many people out of there as yeah. possible yeah. and if you're an up-and-coming producer and musician you know you, you t people will give you a chance to a certain point as so long as you're not you know as so long as you're under them yeah that's and, very um, true actually uh, you know so uh, so so i don't know that it was a mistake i can only say that i you know i regret perhaps being a little over ambitious at times and alienating one or two people that i genuinely loved but mm. you know that's the way it went so yeah interesting um what do you think is the best piece of, of advice that you have ever received? Um, I could give you two. Yeah. One is um, you can't be too paranoid. <laughs> Rick Knowles told me that very famous L.A. songwriter wrote with Madonna and, and loads of other things. Uh, people. Um, uh, Lana Del Rey, actually, more famously, uh, more recently, not more famously, but... Um, that was his one. But that's a very L.A. kind of piece of advice. Never yeah. Be, never be too paranoid. <laughs> um, um, so, that, so that's one. Um, and the other one escapes me for a moment. Oh, yes. Um, someone told me very early on, but it was really early on as well. I mean, I was still a delivery guy in the studio. Is is um, always be, you know, really careful, um, you know, how you treat other people in there because this is a very small industry. The music business mm. is a small business, you know. And, you know, what you'll find is is that 
you know, you've got to be always good to everybody because it'll mm. come back to haunt you if you don't. Don't make enemies easily. Mm. Sometimes you can't help it and, you know, over a period of time you, you're you going to make a few enemies, you know, not, not even terrible enemies but people that don't like you. You can't help that. Yeah. But you've, you've got to be really aware that it's a small industry and people talk and that's it. That's very true. I think one of the things, Andy and I have been friends for a long time and one of the things I like about Andy uh, is he's very kind. And I always think, um, because I've worked with over 1,500 artists, and the ones that are not kind, they stick out to you. And you you note it. And you note the people that aren't kind. So I, I really love that second Thanks, bit. Thanks, that's very kind of you to say you so. You are, Andy. In fact, <laughs> well, I, and the one thing that's interesting, because in a producer's role, I mean, a producer's role has changed a lot and is changing all the time. Yeah. But, but, but one thing I've noted is when I've met you know, notable producers over the mm. years, the, the ones that have had really good careers are generally very kind yeah. people. And I think that's because, you you know, you've always got to be aware of, of your artist. You've got to Absolutely. be aware of the people. You've got to put them in a position. You've got to have a real strong sense of empathy with what they mm. need, what they want. And so I think that requires kindness. If you're trying to be more important than them, you're not going to win yeah. not on that one. So... I think empathy, I like that word. Um, so the inevitable hard times, uh, what have you found hardest to deal with in your career and why? Um, I think, the, you know, one of the enemies of, of, uh, of life for everybody, it's not just in music, is, is the fact that we all have to go and make a living. You know, so... And music is is really a, a vocation and a, and a hobby. If you make it into a living, you know you're working through difficult times. And so, you know, at any one time, just the pursuit of money is is quite irritating, quite yeah. difficult. You know, I, if I could, really, I'd do every job for free. Yeah, that would be my ideal thing. And in fact, I it actually in, through the entire through my entire career, I've always worked with someone at least, if not two people, for free. Yeah, um, wow. I found it hard. Now I have to be a bit careful with that because I can only commit to one or two, yeah. and and then hope that what we do together is successful. I mean, it's going to be people mm. that I believe in, some people that I think are great, but um, um, uh, but obviously the 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 problem is is when you you're out there making a living. Sometimes you you know if you need to make a living and you've got a house to support and other things, you can't always make the best creative mm. decisions sometimes you've got to you've got to work for money and that's just the way it is it's a it's almost like a corporate job for me to do that yeah you know? i was going to ask you that that whether sometimes if you have to take jobs and that's the enemy of creativity but i kind of think you've Answered that. Really. I, I always see my role in that way as being sort of I'm from Nottingham, you know. So I always see myself <laughs> as a sort of musical Robin Hood, you know. Yeah. So, so I take from the rich and give to the poor, you know. <laughs> I like that idea. Uh, you know, so that so that works. Um, but I think also the other thing is is you know this unquestionably over. I mean, my career is sort of 35 years long, mm. and you cannot go through a career that long without getting sacked. It happens. Yeah. You know, everybody yeah. gets sacked, and actually, how you, you know um, you, you know how you respond to that eventually is what will make you better. Um, and of course, I've got regrets about that because one or two things that I, that I really loved being involved in didn't quite see it through to the end. I don't think 
it was all my fault. But actually, in retrospect, and sometimes that retrospect took four or five years to come yeah. to me, um, I understood that I wasn't big enough for the job. I didn't do everything right. Um, um, the other thing is, is um, you know, at an early point, if you know, I think some people are very comfortable with the idea of, 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 you know, kind of winging it every day. But actually, you just have to work really hard. Yeah. And you have to also keep looking at what you're doing and if you keep seeing that you're keeping up to date with things. Mm. Otherwise, you all of a sudden go, hang on a minute. Uh, you know, the phone is ringing less and I need to really sort of think about whether I'm still doing this well. And getting other people to help you is a very good way of doing that. You know, don't feel you have to do it all by yourself. I think that's brilliant advice. And I think it's something that you're very good at and you have some long-term engineers that work with you who are excellent. Yeah. And who support the creative process, I think. And they also they become friends and they support you as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, and, and, and I think the, obviously the most critically important thing that you do if you're going to have collaborators on that kind of level is that you, you make sure that they, that, that they have as good an upside as you. Yeah, Because, yeah, you know, or nearly as good an upside as you if, if you want to look at it that way. But, you know, if, if it's not their life then they will pursue their careers on the, uh, the side and leave you as soon as they can mm. so you have to make it their life as well as yours so yeah. that they have as good an upside as you i actually think that that's something again that you're very good at observing how you work you're very inclusive and you create a very family atmosphere amongst all that they you work with and i, I think that's brilliant yeah i mean I, you know that's actually that i think it's true and we you know um right now obviously i'm at the cube you, you're here and the the, the the ethos of the studio is largely sort of you know product what you call production rooms mm. really really beautifully made rooms with great soundproofing but they're not record you know rooms that you record a band in now when i was at, at, at what was formerly known as sphere and became battersea park studio i had that studio um you know all to myself I had that big live area and you know i you know became friendly with a lot more musicians actually at mm. that time i engaged more musicians in projects because i had a live room you know 24 7 and so we i was able to invite everyone to come leave instruments there leave their bases the bass amps there leave their drums there and come in and sit up and set up and if they wanted to get there early in practice they could you know mm. i could get them let in and so we used it as, as a great way to to sort of great create this community of musicians which was which you know and all of those people i'm still very friendly with and very close to so. And there were some fabulous parties as well. I, mean, yeah, I must say, I've been to many a fantastic yeah, party. Yeah, I did. I, did, I mean, I'd, actually, I actually, I ran out of steam with them a bit. I saw, oh, they were start, great. I started out with the idea. They were good. I started out with the idea when I had this big live room there and you could do a party and you could get about 120, 130 people in there. Um, so I... Um, I bought a stage, a PA, some lights. I bought a, a chest freezer where I could get to the, all the beer delivered and all the wine, you know, white wine and stuff, uh, Prosecco, all delivered at about 12 <laughs> o'clock and put it in the freezer. And there was so much in it that it wouldn't freeze. It would just get really cold in time for the party. Perfect. So we did things like that. And, yeah. and, and then what I do is, is I put on a, a bill of maybe six acts you know, to play. In fact, at Christmas, I, I did two Christmas parties there and I, I put 12 acts on um, and called it sort of, and I made myself one of them. <laughs> so, um, so and I'd call it the 12 acts of Christmas, you know. So awesome. we'd all do two I, yeah. songs each, have a really good party. I did two 
two poems or something. I didn't yeah. I didn't sing or play or anything. I just wrote I wrote a piece for it and did some silly performance. And yeah, no, it's good. It, and it was great. I, I have to say I miss those times because they, they were was, brilliant. It and was, it was a good was investment good. and apart from anything, just great to see fantastic musicians you know what? playing I, live. I, I think, it, you know, uh, we, we sort of contravened some kind of licensing laws, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> it was a private was a, party, Yeah, Andy. it was a private party, and, <laughs> and people donated for a bit of booze. And actually, in fact, what happened is is that on almost every occasion, it lost like about 300 quid. Oh, gosh. But for what was a sensational party, I thought yeah. that was really good 300 quid for work. a party, I'd yeah, say that's great good, And I mean, and, you know, we, we, yeah. every, you know, I saw people walking out with uh, <laughs> bottles in their oh bag my and all word. sorts. It was, it was fun though, you know, good. Um, that all sounds fantastic. We're down to our last two questions here and I've put here, effective people have effective habits. What habits or practices do you have in place to make you effective in the studio, in your life, as a person? What kind of things could you talk well, you about? you have to work. You know, you've got to work every day. It's a job, you know. Yeah. That's the thing. If you, if it's you, not you, the music yeah, playtime; it's yeah, the music you, you industry. Know. I mean, no, I think it's it's you know different for different you know people. Uh, actually, I say that, but I think even for musicians, and you know, sometimes you know you, you can sort of not have much of a schedule, and you know, I know you know guitarists only get stoned all day and then stay up all night learning Jimi Hendrix riffs, and <laughs> you know, whatever it takes to become great. But in yeah. truth, especially at the moment, you need a program and um i think what's really interesting at the moment because of the covid situation and then there's huge amounts of people working mm. at home rather than going to the office now i think that's challenging for a lot of people because they're not used to that they're not used to the idea that they get up get out of their pajamas you know have their bowl of cereal have a shower get into some work clothes what they'd normally do is, is is get out the door really early and go to work. But in fact, they don't have to do that. So they can take a bit longer over sort of watching the news, reading the paper. But at some point, they've got to go, right, I better get on with it now. Then yeah. I, you know, and, and that's quite hard to do. I've been doing that for my whole career mm. because... You know, for me, it's it's never been anything I've wanted to do more than that. So you get up in the morning, you know, get ready and have a bit of a, a schedule. You you know, it, it doesn't work. Are you a morning person or how does it run? I used kind to, of like uh, I, I'm actually an afternoon person, to tell you the truth. I, I, I never was that good with the morning um, um, and I used to work sort of, um, I mean, I used to work really silly hours. Um, probably more before we met, actually, but yeah. in the in the nineties, in the you know mid nineties onwards. I mean, I, I I used to work really through till four or five every morning, mm. and then get up, and then I used to, and I mean I used to go to bed and get up, see the kids in the morning, go back to bed, go to sleep, and get up about eleven, and and then go to work um, for the day and stay late. And in fact, what I used to do a lot there was I used to um, finish sessions at. 11 o'clock 10 11 o'clock at night uh, lock up go in my car you know get in and say goodbye to the artist and then drive around the block and come back in and then get another person in and do a song right between 11 o'clock at night and four in the morning wow. i used to do that all the time um because i didn't want the person i was working with to know that i was doing something else but you know we just blimey those are hard yards there, there was it was hard but actually for some reason i was didn't find that a problem I mean, I, I I liked that. I had good energy for it, and uh, mm. now I absolutely can't do that. I can't really. Yeah. I don't don't you know. I get across if I'm working past ten. 
ever. I don't yeah. really work past 10, to be honest. I don't really work past 8. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. I think times change and our routines change. And Yeah. Yeah. No, that's incredible. I didn't realise you did, <laughs> you did that actually before. I used to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you've got Obviously to remember you know. that time I was, you know, I was 30, 30 in my mid-30s. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. 30s. And some people listening to this podcast will be 18 or 20 <laughs> yeah. you know, and think 35 sounds very old. <laughs> Trust me, it isn't. You it know? isn't, no. <laughs> Well, actually, that leads us on to our last question. Um, if someone was coming to work for you on your team, what kind of qualities are you looking for in someone to make them a great producer, an engineer or a team player to be part of your team? And I'm specifically thinking about students. They might be doing their degree or their master's and young people kind of wanting to get into the music industry. What's important to you? Um. I mean, you've just got to get on with people. You know, that's the first thing, you know. Um, I think you've, you've got to laugh at people's jokes at the right time and not laugh, over laugh, not laugh at the wrong time, you know. Um, you, yeah, and I think you've got to have an understanding of what the the kind of, um, you know, the ambience of the room is in terms of people's position, see where they are, you know. You can't... And that's almost an innate skill, yeah. you know, that people either have or they don't. You can sort of learn that, but you, but that's a, a natural thing. You, you know, back in the day, you know, when I started at Trident, you know, you got that they had the old-fashioned hierarchy then, where you got a job at the studio and you became the tea boy and that's all you did you made tea you ran around you could go to the shop you buy beers for people you buy skittles you buy whatever they wanted but that was your job you didn't do you didn't step beyond that and you could do that for a long while six months a year before you got invited to be the tape op which was the you know the, um, the next step up um, that got re, re, um, renamed as the assistant as time moved on because we were not using tape. But um, but then in that job you got you you got offered the tape machine and you had to you know push into record at the right time and you had to operate and understand the tapes. That was the thing. And then when you got good at that, you became the engineer. And then yeah. you, you you were the guy that you know knew how to get the sounds on the desks. Huh. And then if you were really good, then you also or you know perhaps you actually didn't make migrate to being a producer because that might have been your best skill but you could become the producer that way um nowadays as i said is is, is quite different but back in the day there when we started you'd had a better chance of becoming an assistant if you were funny than if really? you were, than if you were so if you top tip if you learn boring, some jokes if you were boring <laughs> you weren't going to get the job but in truth actually it mm. didn't always favor the the best people because it got people onto sessions that actually were useless but actually made you laugh so yeah then, so it was all about that these days it is quite different um and and you know there aren't many big studios that you would you could even make that kind of e evolution in mm. so um uh um uh, but i think it, you know if you if i was engaging people in my team the first thing is they would have to be very competent and that's just obvious. And there are a lot of competent people out there. That's what you've always got to remember. You're, you're up there against other people. And if they are more competent than you and have more desire, they're going to get the job. But um, beyond that point, you know, I think you've always got to um, project your position to be, you know, where it is you if you if you step too quickly ahead and push yourself forward too much you can alienate people quite quickly and you know um maybe not be popular in the room hmm. so so yes um 
But also the other thing is, is, you know, if people want to have a real shot, they've got to be really committed to it. You know, you can't imagine the people that I know that are extremely successful, um, world famous producers, world famous sound engineers, mixers, they're still working incredibly hard and they're really committed. They don't go around telling people how good they are. They actually, if you talk to them, they go, hmm, you know, yeah. it's got to be better. And uh, they're, they're hard workers. Yeah. So hard work, essentially. Hard work, yeah. And it sounds boring, but actually you get into it. Yeah. Mm. That's really interesting. Well, I want to thank you, Andy, because there are some top tips in there. And I want to thank you for sharing about your experience. And if anybody wants to look you up, Andy, where's what's your website? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I try and keep it up to date for what it's worth. I mean, it's um, andywrightmusic.com. You can see some of the things I've done over the years. It's very eclectic. There's some, you know, great things and some funny things. So, you know, go and check it out if you like. And uh, and also if you, uh, you know, you, you'll find there that there's a way to make a contact. If you want to make a contact, you can. I, I can't promise to reply quickly and um, and I might not stay in touch with you very long if I do get in <laughs> touch. But, but, I'm, but I'm usually quite polite. So, you know, if you... You, by all means, please uh, send anything through if you want to. Okay, thank you so much, Andy. I really want to thank you for um, having this time with you and I think you've just said some great things and I hope that people will listen and put them into their lives to make them more yeah. successful. Well, is it, so, there's worse things you can do with your life. There are worse things you, you can it's, do. It's a wonderful thing to do. Make music. Make great. music. And we've had some great adventures, so I Absolutely. would concur with that. Yeah. So, Andy Wright, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Love Live Music Secrets of Success podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at UK, or come and visit my website www.lovelivemusic.co.uk